All right, you can open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and before we start, let me say thank you for all the care and support you showed me and my family last Sunday. Uh, I was able to get ordained, and that ordination came from you as the church body. You have chosen to support me, and I am, I am very grateful for that. There are so many people in my life that have played an important uh, part in making me and who I am. Uh, God has done so much in my life, but he's used people. And it's not just those that, some, that sometimes you know, they get the, the title of pastor or they play a very distinct part in teaching me, but I have learned so much from you, uh, Calvary Baptist Church. Yeah, your, your faithfulness, your example... You may not think that you have done a lot to mold me, but you really have. Your faithfulness means a lot to me, and so I'm very thankful. Uh, Pastor asked me to preach today because he is out in Germany. He is there assisting uh, a group of missionaries as they have an encouragement retreat. And so we'll be praying for him. The Andersons are also over there. And Cindy Bunker, some of you know she is there as well. So I thought it only fitting this morning to also bring a message that is primarily encouragement, primarily encouragement. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to be going through one verse this morning, and that is verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says this, There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. We go through a lot of things in our life. We, we do a lot of things that we don't think about. We, we talk, we breathe, we eat, and we don't consciously think during those times, I'm talking, I'm breathing, I'm eating. There are things that happen to us that are just so common that we don't really think about it. Another thing that happens to you and I that is so common that we tend not to think about as being tempted. We are consistently tempted. We are consistently being thrown trials, temptations, tests, that sometimes you and I, we don't even realize. We go through our life, and they're so common that we don't place much emphasis on them. And as Christians, we need to realize and be aware that today, tomorrow, and forever... We, or for the rest of our lives, we will face some kind of temptation. But as we go through these temptations, we are not alone because this promise that God has given us is one that we should take to heart and one that we should apply every single day of our life. That there has no temptation that has taken us, but such as is common to man, but our God is faithful. So we're going to see a few things this morning. The first thing we're going to see is this meaning of temptation, This meaning of temptation. The Greek word here for temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is periasmos. Really, it means to to be tempted, to have a trial, to have a test. But let's see where else in Scripture this is used. Can you turn with me to John chapter 6? Turn me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 5. And we see during the time of the Passover feast, Jesus is looking at these people, and, and Philip asks him a question. This is the question that Philip asks him. John chapter 6, 
verses 5 through 6. And when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, and he saw a great company come unto them, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to, you see that word right there? To prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus here is saying this to prove him, to test him. It's the same word for temptation, this periasmus. Here we see that it is translated as proving. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to jump around a little bit because I want you to see how this word is used. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Now here, Paul is talking to the Corinthians and he says this, 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5. To examine yourself, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own self that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? The very first word right there, examine, is again this same word, periasmus. So when we turn back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and we talk about this temptation, we talk about these trials or proving, we... Proving taken you is such as is common to man, or there is no examination that is taken you, but such as is common to man. That God will be faithful, that no matter what this examination is, he will make a way for escape. How many of you, when you were in school, you hated taking tests? Does anybody, you, you, you just did not like taking tests. I was not a big test taker either. But imagine with me that you are trying to give a college-level chemistry test to a first grader. And you are expecting this first grader to pass this college-level chemistry test with a perfect score. That's an impossible request. You can't expect the average first grader to do that. You're giving them something that they are unable to do. And what we find here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is that God is giving and allows tests and these opportunities to be proven and sometimes even temptations in our life God allows in order for us to become what he wants us to become. But they are never more than we can handle. God's not going to do that to us. And when he allows us to go through a test, the test will be on our level that we can handle. When we go through trials, temptations, or a test, God's promise is there that he will never give us more than we can handle. We look at this word, this temptation, and we see that sometimes when we are tempted, it is, it is in an evil sense, and sometimes it is in a good and godly sense. Just remember back to when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, in verses 1 through 3, it says that Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this tempting happened after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he hungered. You have here an account of temptation, of testing, that comes from an evil source. It comes from the devil. But let me remind you of another instance in scripture, and that's when, that's when uh, in, in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was tested. In Genesis 22, God comes, and it says in verse 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am, and what did he want him to do? To take his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loved, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, will I tell thee of? And you know the story of Abraham being asked to sacrifice his son Isaac. He went, and he went all the way up to the moment when he would have sacrificed him, but God spared him. God gave 
Abraham a test. God was not evil for doing that. God knew full well what would happen. And what we find in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 19, is that by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, that he received the promise, he offered up his only begotten son. And in verse 19, he accounted that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. God's motive here in this extreme test was not to cause Abraham harm, was not to put him through some level of torture. God's purpose in this was to see Abraham endure a test and a trial so that he would be stronger as a follower of God. He did it for the purpose of trying Abraham. For you and for me, God allows tests. God allows trials and temptations in your life so that you would draw closer to him and be stronger as a believer. We go through tests and trials so much. Even even this week, we had a church member who passed away. There are issues in our life that come and that seem so overwhelming. And I'm sure even for you here this morning, there are issues in your heart, in your life, that are not public, that you don't share with others because they weigh down on you. There are hurts. There are pains, there are difficulties that every single one of us, we face. And sometimes we broadcast them and we let people know. Sometimes we keep them inside and we internalize them. But no matter what what the test or trial is, God's promise is true. What he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there is no temptation, there's no trial, there's no test that God will give you that you are unable to handle because God is faithful. Not because you're some great Christian or because you have some great ability in and of yourself, but it's because you serve a God who has promised over and over again, I will be faithful. That's the God that we serve. This is the all-knowing, all-powerful God. He sees what we are capable of becoming, and he works in our lives so that we would be brought to that place of maturity. There's a reason for temptation. We have to understand that temptations or testing from the Lord is to draw us closer to him. While any temptation from Satan, the devil, this world, our lust, is to pull us away from Christ. In James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, it says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when the lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, it brings forth death. We have to understand clearly that there are tests and trials that God places within our life, but we also wrestle and struggle with our flesh. We wrestle and struggle with the influence of this world that would seek to draw us away from Jesus Christ. We must fight. We must resist because God has made an escape route. God has made there to be a way that no matter matter what temptation befalls you, there is a way to escape. So the problem is not with God. 
The problem is not that you have an impossible situation, that you have no other option but to fall into sin or but to respond negatively. The problem is that you are choosing to follow what you want, to live a life that is proud instead of dependent on God. So we have two options, to fulfill our flesh or to fortify our faith. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When faced with temptations and sin, we must resist the urge and we must submit to God. God uses tests to fortify our faith. God uses trials to come and to encourage us. And anything that would come and seek to take us away from God, to distract us from him, it's not of God. That's of our own flesh. That's of, that's, that's of the devil. And so we have to think about Paul for just a moment here. After spending time in a Roman prison, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he wrote the words, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When God allowed Paul to go into prison, the Lord knew, he, he did it, knowing that it would allow Paul to become stronger. It would allow him to be stronger in his faith. And so when we go through trials, we should rest assured that God has allowed them for the purpose of fortifying our faith. In James chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt he any man. There are things that you and I struggle with. And I think it's part of the maturing process as a believer that as we grow to be more and more like Christ, you and I will be more aware that we are constantly tempted, that we are constantly falling short of what God desires for you and for me. That's the sign of maturity. It's not getting to a point where there is nothing wrong with me, where I am good, I am perfect, I am who I am. The sign of maturity is humbleness. It's saying there is so much about me and who I am, I am naturally bent towards evil. I'm naturally bent towards wickedness. I'm naturally bent towards doing what I want to do and satisfying my own selfish desires. And for you and for me to realize that is for you and for me to continue down this path of spiritual growth. So I'll ask you a question. Do you see how often you sin? Do you, do you see how often you fall short of God's standard? There's a book that I went through with the teens called Respectable Sins. And the premise of that book is simply to talk about and to express that you and I, we sin quite a bit. We sin consistently. But we don't like to realize that. You talk about the sin of ungodliness. The sin of ungodliness, we like to label that and we like to put it on others that are doing big and, and bad things. But what is at the core of the sin of ungodliness? You're not thinking about God. You're living your life without a thought of him. You go through your day. You go through your, 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 your schedule, your routine. Do you think about God? Do you have your devotions maybe in the morning, but then the rest of the day, there is no thought for the things of God. There's no thought for the word of God. There's no thought to pray to God. 
You talk about what it means to live ungodly. You live a life that does not acknowledge him. You talk about sins of pride. You talk about me being puffed up in my own ego and self-worth. How often are you proud? You talk about sins of envy. You talk about sins of bitterness. You talk about sins of anger. You and I, we sin consistently. And it's only by God's grace that we can overcome these sins. It's only by God's grace that we can recognize through his word that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of what God requires. And the fact that we sin consistently, it shouldn't lead us to this state of just being you know, willing to then accept that. It should lead us to then say, God, I need your help. God, I'm not going to live that way anymore. God, you've demonstrated in my life how I'm ungodly, how I'm proud, how I get angry, how I get frustrated. And so, God, please help me. I acknowledge my sin before God. I ask him to show me if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in his path, his way everlasting. You and I must be aware that we do sin, that we are tempted. And what this tempting should do is what it says in Job's example in his life is not to cause us to quit, but Job said this in his temptation, Job 23, verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The temptations in our life, the trials and the tests, they are there for us to become more and more like Christ. Without the temptations, without the trials, without the tests, there would be no way for us to really show and demonstrate that my life is no longer about me. My life is about my God. And I want to show that by resisting, by saying no, by proving that my life truly is his. It destroys our pride. We need to develop our patience. We each struggle. We all struggle. We all have different things that we have a propensity with to fall and to sin with. But what God desires for us is to acknowledge that and to change. You think about when David sinned, his sin with Bathsheba. At first, he put up walls. He put up this, this whole facade. He did not want to be called out as the man. But Nathan had to come, and he gave him this accusation. He said, he came to Nathan, uh, Nathan came to David and said, That thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I have appointed thee king over Israel. I delivered thee out of the hand of the saw. And what have you done, David? You went, you sinned with Bathsheba, you took what wasn't yours. And David then, as he records in Psalm 51, his heart changed And he says in verse 3 of Psalm 51, I acknowledge my transgression, my sin is ever before me. I think we become too callous too often to our sin. We become too apathetic to how we live. When was the last time you weeped over your sin? When was the last time that because of your actions, not because of the consequences you may have received, but just because you did something that that hurt a holy God, a God that loved you, that you were brought to a place of emotion. We are too calloused. We are too apathetic. 
We would rather just live our life, gain the head knowledge we need about God and what he says. We don't like to admit that we fail. We don't like to admit that we stumble. In James 1, verses 2 through 4, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith it worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. We don't let our trials and temptations weigh us down, but we use them and we see them as, 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 uh, as ways that you and I can grow, that we can show and demonstrate our patience that we would become more mature. When it comes down to it, our temptations, the trials, the tests we face, they, they are gifts from God. If we respond correctly to them, if we look at what God says, and if we evaluate what's happening in our life based on God's word, and we respond correctly, it is a gift. It brings us closer to God. I never want to ask for someone to go through a trial. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's financial trial. Maybe it's a family problem. I never want to ask for that. But in every single trial, it is a gift from God because it's an opportunity for you and I to grow closer to him. You're seeing the big picture when you have a problem, when you have a difficulty. Because often when you and I, when we have a situation that is overwhelming, we think very narrow. We think, ah, I don't know what's happening right now with this situation. I I just want it to be gone. I I, I just want my life to be easier. I don't want there to be any more difficult. Just let me have some peace. And we think very narrow-mindedly. But inside every single trial... God is working in us to make us who he wants us to be. And instead of just wishing that trial to go away, we should pray to God and say, show me what I can learn. Show me how I can be closer to you. Help me be like Jesus Christ in my reactions. Don't think narrow-mindedly. See God's big picture for what he wants. Don't let temptations in your life be wasted God knows what he's doing, and he is allowing you to face them, and he can give you the strength to resist when Satan sends them. So we have to see that there are trials that happens, and these trials may be from God, they may be from our own flesh, but throughout all of this, we jump back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, so go ahead and turn there, if somehow you are not there already, and we see that there is an escape from temptation, God has given you a means of escape. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God's faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If you are an architect, if you are designing a house or a building, you have to put in doors, you have to put in windows, you put in all the different features of your house, But you know what else you have to take account for if you're an architect building a building? What are the escape routes, right? They have posted all over the church. If there's a fire, this is the way you go. On a plane, if something happens, you're supposed to exit that door. There's an escape route. And God, too, has given for you and for me, when there are temptations, when there are trials, a means of escape so that you can bear it because God is faithful, 
we see that there is, there is so much that God gives us, and what he gives us is a weapon during battle. As Christians, we are constantly in a spiritual war against sin. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness from high places. So the times that we are tempted to sin, meditate on 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let it soak into your mind that there is no temptation that I may be facing, that God is not faithful to help me get through it. I deal with teens all the time that struggle with sins that tend to be more addictive. And even for some of you, you struggle with sins that tend to be more addictive. There is nothing that is too addictive that the power of God is not unable to help you with. There is nothing that is so controlling and so enslaving that you have to do it, that there's no way out. God's word is faithful, that there is always a means of escape. There is always a means of resisting for a child of God the temptations to sin that we struggle with. So whose fault is it if we sin? It's my own. It's not my circumstances. The circumstances were just so hard. There was just so much, and I just, I had to. No, there's none of that. Whose fault is it if I sin? It's my own fault. It's my own lusts. I am responsible. God has made a way for you and for me to overcome sin. What a blessing. What a hope. There is no way that I can say there is no possible way of escape. I have no excuses. Anytime we are tempted to sin, we should meditate on 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Not only is it a weapon that we can use, but it's also a shelter during a storm. We had a lot of storms this week, a lot of really bad weather. And sometimes in the middle of a storm, we, we like to think that, it's just me going through this. It's just me experiencing all of these problems. I mean, I kind of had the temptation to do that this week when we had our power go out for a couple hours. Man, this is, this, is, uh, this is really making my life difficult. I can't believe they won't turn on the power for me when there's thousands of people who are without power too. We don't think about the thousands of people as much as we just think about me. We tend in a storm to think very isolated. How is this affecting me? What's the pressure that's on me? But God has given us a promise that's a shelter and storm that's not just for me, but it's for all believers. What does he say here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or 10.13? He says that there's no temptation taken you, but what is it? It is common to man. It's something that your brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning, we share with, we, we, we all experience. It's common. It's something that we go through every single day, temptations and trials. We're not living isolated. We're not the only ones that are going through difficulties. That doesn't minimize what we're going through. But it should at least give me some hope that I'm not alone. And in church like this, when we gather together corporately, it should encourage you to reach out to other people. You don't know the hurt that each of us are facing. You don't know the pain and the difficulties. How can you be encouraging to somebody this morning? 
What can you do to help bear the burdens of others? Simply asking, caring, showing some compassion. What are you doing when it comes to the body of believers like we should be to encourage each other? It is a shelter during a storm. We may feel, and we do feel, as if no one has ever dealt with a particular situation before, and no one can understand my hurt and my pain. And sometimes that's true. We don't all share the same circumstances. But throughout all of it, God is faithful. And we are given Jesus Christ, who experienced the pains of this world, so that he is acquainted with your suffering. Sure, there may not some be, a, be an individual here this morning who's going through the same trial as you are. But Jesus knows your pain. He knows your heartache. He knows your fears. And he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He is a friend during a crisis. A faithful friend, a timely comfort, a consistent reminder that God is always faithful. Christ can relate to my temptation. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Jesus Christ is there. He knows your difficulties. He understands those things that cause you so much heartache, your sleepless nights. And he's there offering you this, that there is no temptation, there is no trial, there's no test that you will take that's not common to man, but God is faithful. If you were to get counsel from the wisest, godliest counsel in the world, that counselor, he would be able to pray with you, give you biblical advice, even attempt to hurt with you, to show some sympathy. But that counselor can't guarantee that he's going to feel exactly like you feel. But Christ does guarantee that he knows your heartache. He knows your pain. He is touched by them. And he feels your pain as if it was his own. So we can have confidence that we can always come to Christ with any form of temptation that we face. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. No matter what you and I are going through, we cannot, we should not be disheartened. We should not lose hope. We should understand our failings. We should understand that we do sin, but we run to Jesus Christ Because he promises that no temptation is too hard for us because he is faithful. No matter what we're going through, we can trust in this promise. He will be faithful to fulfill this to us as he has been for all of eternity. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much that we have this passage. And in this time that we've been with each other this morning, I pray that we would take the time to encourage each other. We would take the time to invest in each other, to be a church that cares. Father, I pray that you give us opportunities that we need to share our own struggles with you, our high priest, and run to you because you care for us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I have a time to ask some questions. 
really just two questions. The first one is this. Are you having victory in your sin this morning? Those temptations that would tempt you for evil. You know your heart. You know your life. Maybe you need to evaluate your relationship with God. That's at the core of what this is. You have victory over temptation when you have a relationship with God. Do you have a relationship with God? Do you know this morning without a shadow of a doubt that you are his child? That you were saved from your sin? If you don't, I encourage you to come talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors here this morning. Find help in your relationship with God. For those of us who are saved, we struggle. We love ourselves sometimes more than we love God. If you're struggling in your sin, with sin this morning, run to him. Build that relationship back. Some of us are not struggling with sin as much as we're struggling with a trial, a test. And God is faithful. He is faithful. He promises that. He knows your pain. He hears your prayers. So don't be proud. Look to Christ. Run to him in dependence. The pianist is going to play with your heads bowed and eyes closed. This is a time for you to pray and ask these questions between you and God. Are you having victory in your sin this morning? Are you struggling with a trial? Run to Christ. Run to him in prayer right now. here. We ended a little early on purpose, all right? We ended a little early on purpose because I would like you to do something for me. I, I would love for us to apply what we learned to some degree. You have time. You don't have to rush out for lunch. Find somebody this morning, someone you're sitting next to, somebody that's across the auditorium. Find somebody this morning and do your best to encourage them. Ask them how they're doing more than just a, oh, good, I'm doing great. 
I, I, try to ask a few more questions. Let's, let's encourage each other together because we all do struggle. There are things in our life that God has placed us within a church so that we would bear each other's burdens. We would encourage each other. We would be able to keep each other accountable. And so let's practice this as a church together and find somebody before you run out the door that you can encourage this morning and ask how they're doing. So let me pray and then we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for the time that we've had this morning to open up your word, to be encouraged that there is a way for escape and to be challenged not to be content with our own sin. I pray that you would help us in our struggles and our difficulties that we all face because they're common to man to run to you. I pray that this morning we would be able to encourage each other and practice this as a church. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you are dismissed.